Incorporated v. Pilar Biosciences, Inc., 
is the board says, and Lao, the secondary reference, provides such a step. And the problem is that Lao doesn't provide such a step. So the motivation to add Lao to Gardner fails. And the reason why Lao fails in this regard is when we talk about short amplicons, Gardner and Lao are talking about different sizes. Do you agree that Gardner discloses at least some amplicons that are within Lao's size limitations? Yes. So Gardner says in his Gardner's design rationale for the primers, um, he says that the overlaps have to be a certain size. They have to be big. 40 to 80 base pairs. That's not enough. It's got to be bigger than that. And so we asked the question, well, how much bigger? And we looked at Gardner's example, and 30 out of 36 overlap regions were bigger than 100 base pairs. When so you, so the, when we say bigger, we're talking about 100 base pairs. Larger than 100 base pairs. Some of them are two, more than 200 base pairs. And the problem when you say, well, when the, the board does this, when you look at only the small ones and say, well, Lao would take those out. The first part of the motivation to run the reaction in a single, um, to run the reaction in a single tube, you need to get them all. Otherwise, you, you don't need, get. You need to do what? You need to get them all. You need to get all of those overlap amplicons. Otherwise, you can't run it in a single vessel, because what will happen is for a few of the overlapping targets you'll get your targets. But for the vast majority of your overlapping targets, you won't. You'll get the third amplicon. You'll get the overlap region. It will dominate the reaction for those targets. And you won't get those targets. So the idea that you would run Gardner in a single... The third amplicon you're talking about, that's a micro-amplicon. We don't call it micro, but it, it is short. We call it in the uh, patent a mini-amplicon but it's just the overlapping mm -hmm. region. Yeah. Okay. And so if you take the board's position that we well, don't need to get rid of all of them, then its motivation doesn't work because you still have, for, for Gardner's example, the vast majority of the targets won't get amplified. It won't run in one vessel. It won't run correctly. Are you are you contending that there can be no small applicons at all? I feel like that's what I'm hearing, but tell me if I'm asking. In order to what meet the board's, today. yeah, in order to meet the board's motivation, this two-part motivation that you run Gardner's reaction in one vessel, and that you get there by running a step to take out the small amplicons. If you don't get them all, then in that one vessel, you won't amplify all your targets. You'll amplify some of your targets, but not others. And Gardner is left facing the problem that Gardner was facing all along and solved by separating the overlapping targets. But Lau teaches the, the, the problem that Gardner states. So Lau teaches a process for uh, modifying the primers to remove some small amplicons. And Lau is very clear that his modification works at 100 base pairs and below. Above 100 base pairs, Lau 
preferentially amplifies. And so for those bigger base pairs, the, the bigger amplicons and, and overlap amplicons and Gardner, Lau would amplify those, and you wouldn't get your targets. I thought in reading the briefs and the materials submitted that really the concern was more with having the small or many amplicons dominate the reaction as opposed to needing to eliminate them all. Am I misunderstanding what was previously presented? So we don't need the mini amplicons to dominate the reaction. We want to stop the mini amplicons from dominating. Yeah, yes, but I thought the concern was stopping dominating. I yes. apologize. I thought the concern yes. was to stop so, dominating as opposed to full-on elimination. I feel like those are two different things that you're saying. So it, I, thank you for asking that question. Let, let's back up and, and look at what I think one of the problems with the arguments are. So when, when we look at the amplicons and Gardner, there are 36 different overlaps. Each one of those is a different third amplicon. And I don't mean to suggest that for each individual overlap, you have to get rid of every single one of them. One of them. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, because when you use the word for, all, that implied to okay. me get rid of all of them. Okay, but you do need to reduce them, stop them from, from dominating the reaction for all 36 or you can't run them in the same vessel, you won't get your targets. You, you said that Lau doesn't allow for that, but that, that's not what the board had made a finding on that. Well, the... I mean, I, I know that's your argument, but, but they didn't say that. What the board said about Lau that we disagree with is Lau <coughs> provides such a step. And that's such a step takes out the small amplicons the from the gardeners. From they her. didn't make a finding on, on, a, on a sufficient number. They did. Um, so, so the question is is whether, whether you, you, you want us to construe the claim to mean that all amplicons have to be removed, eliminated. Well, for the purposes of motivation, we don't think we don't think we need to talk about the claim construction you're at all. Talking, you, yes, we're, we're enabling this motivation, but really you're making a claim construction argument here. I'm happy to talk about the claim construction, but I, I don't think that's okay. the argument here. So, for example, um, the intelligent biosystems case. I think it has facts just like these. It doesn't depend on claim construction. It's a pure failure of evidence for motivation. And what happened there was it was another PCR reaction case. And there was a motivation to add, I believe it was an azetomethyl group, for the purpose of improving uh, the efficiency and reliability of the, the PCR reaction. And what actually happened was it turns out that for doing that, to achieve that motivation, an important aspect is the, the part that you add it has to perform quantitative deblocking, and it turns out the evidence showed that. Out of, out of, out of time, um, or, I want to make sure that, that I understand. Is it your argument that the claims do not teach removal of all amplicons? The claims do not teach removal of all amplicons. Um, it boils down to the construction issue. That's so, and the claims, the claims are a little different, and they're, they're the same, but they're different. So the claims actually say, you put all this stuff in one reaction, 
there's an overlap, it produces an overlap amplicon, and there's a way to treat it so that that third amplicon, the overlap amplicon, forms a stable secondary structure. And that structure is not further amplified. Do the claims require removal of all our amplicons? In the sense that it uses comprising language, no. There could be other things in the reaction and it would still fall within the claims. Did you make a claim construction argument to the PTAB concerning um, the whether claim one would require all short amplicons to be removed or just some of them? Was that ever made to the PTAB? No, and remember, we're not we're not arguing for a given for one given third amplicon that they all need to be removed. Okay. The, the court was correct about that. It just needs to be reduced to a level that it doesn't that it doesn't dominate. We didn't make a claim construction argument on this topic to the board because we thought the ordinary meaning sufficed, that when it forms a stable secondary structure, stable means stable. So it isn't further amplified because it is a stable structure. And the board did something different than that. And that's why we have a problem with them there. And that impacts the, the reasonable expectation of success argument but I don't think it impacts the motivation argument. The evidence doesn't support adding Lau to Gardner because Lau will not allow Gardner to run in a single PCR reaction. And that is the motivation that the board applied. The evidence isn't there to support that. And I say that with such confidence because um, IDT's expert did this analysis, looked at Gardner carefully calculated the size of the overlaps and provided that analysis. Pilar's expert admitted on re-examination that she never considered the size of the overlaps. <laughs> so we think the evidence only goes one way here. You're in your rebuttal time, you Thank you. That's correct? That's correct, yes, Your Honor. May it please the Court, Brian Matsui for Pillar. Substantial evidence supports the Board's findings that the claims would have been obvious. For reasonable expectation of success, IDT starts with a claim construction argument that it never made and demands more than its patent requires. And for motivation, IDT pivots to an argument that it made when contesting reasonable expectation of success and asked the court to ignore findings or take undisputed facts that were found against it. So I think the best place to start is motivation because that's where IDT spent most of its time um, arguing. Uh, the first issue I'd like to just point out is that they raised this issue really as motivation, um, uh, as, as reasonable expectation of success. They had one sentence in their patent owner response at Appendix 447, which said, as discussed in detail below in Section 6C, the record evidence demonstrates that the undesired overlap amplicons of Gardner would have been too large for elimination by Lau's method. And Section 6C is reasonable expectation of success. What appendix page did you just say? I apologize. Sure. It's Appendix 447. And it's at the, the top, the second, the first full sentence in there. And that's where they basically just cross-reference their reasonable expectation of success argument. 
And so that's why I think when we're looking at the board's decision, we're looking at reasonable expectation of success for this pivoted motivation argument that they're now presenting to this court. Judge Cunningham, I think that your point about the fact that even if you take sort of the most restrictive view of Lau, which is how the board described it, they still found that six of the 36 short amplicons would be removed. And that finding supports motivation right there because it's showing that a person of ordinary skill in the art would look at Gardner's invitation and it would see that even if you take this very restrictive view of Lau, you're still going to remove the third amplicon. And Gardner's example that they're pointing to, that's not Gardner. Gardner is not an article about the genome sequence for this specific gene. It's a model. It explains that this is a model we're going to use. And the example has 53 different primers in it. And those 53 different primers create all these different amplicons. Gardner doesn't require you to have 53 primers. It just wants a multiplex reaction. And that only requires four primers, which happens to be the number of primers that the claim requires. If we look at claim one, it requires a first forward primer, a second forward primer, a first reverse primer, and a second reverse primer. And from those primers, you're going to get three amplicons, a first amplicon, a second amplicon, and a third amplicon. So a person of ordinary skill in the art trying to achieve the claim invention would not have to use 53 primers in Gardner's specific example. What we have here really is bodily incorporation. We have a patent owner taking... A person would have to consider the size limitation elements that are cited in Lau, correct? If the board actually found that that was, the board found that there was a teaching about 100 base pairs. But if we look at Lau itself, which again, the board said this was the most restrictive reading of Lau. If we look at Lau itself, for example, the 100 base pair example comes from appendix 966 in paragraph 73. And it says in the middle of that paragraph, as noted below, in some embodiments, insert sections of at least 100 base pair are generally used. And so it's just talking about some embodiments. And then a little further down... Where did the large expert testify in this regard? Well, we didn't testify about amplicon size because that's unnecessary. The teaching of Lau, which the board found in appendix 22... Appendix 22. It says, first, as petitioner notes, this is the bottom of appendix 22. First, as petitioner notes, Lau teaches that under its method, shorter amplicons will self-hybridize faster than longer amplicons, and that shorter amplicons thus take themselves out of the reaction. And that's the point here, is that you have a teaching... The issue here is not just with respect to shorter amplicons, or it's the size that we're talking about. That's what became relevant. I think only if you're looking at just combining the specific embodiment of Lau with the specific example of Gardner. And that's what this court has said, like in the axionics decision that we submitted in the 28J letter, is that you don't do that. You don't try to see if, by combining a first reference with a second reference, 
you're necessarily going to achieve the specific goal of the first reference. You're basing it upon what the claims require. And the claims require here only four primers and three amplicons. In the example in, in Gardner, which is just a specific example of, 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 of the method, has 53 primers and it has 36 overlapping amplicons. None of that is required by the claims. In other words, if you were to take Gardner's method, which is what, what they're trying to, the authors were trying to show, this is the computational method they have to design primers. You could take those six amplicons and all the primers that basically form them and run that in a single reaction. But if you just use Gardner's method alone, you would have to use multiple reactions. And so that's why, even if we take the most narrow view of the art, so we're just incorporating one example into one embodiment, you still would have motivation from the teachings of, 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 the, of, the, of these references that you would want to actually combine them, given Gardner's express invitation, and Lau's teaching that you could actually eliminate shorter amplicons. So, so I'm going to ask you the same question I asked the other side. Do the claims here require the removal of all amplicons? Uh, no, all they require is the third amplicon. If you know, we look at the claim language itself at claim one. It, it, the claims just require the removal of some, not all. So. Is that right? That, that's correct. Well, yes, that's right. How do, you, how do you know if you don't look at the size, if you don't consider the size of the, of the amplicons? So I, I think that there's nothing in the claims themselves that require a specific size that gets removed. It just says the third amplicon is the, is the amplicon that's removed. Um, and it only requires, again, you know, three amplicons here, not... 36, like uh, um, like Gardner's method requires, and so I, I think what you're what you're talking about, if you look at the claims themselves, right, they require the third amplicon, and we we say the third amplicon is a category of amplicons, then yes, it requires the removal of basically all those amplicons, but that doesn't mean that if there were all these additional other amplicons that were in there that those would also have to be removed because the claim doesn't require that. The claim just says there's a third amplicon. Um, so I think that that's, that's perhaps the debate that's going on right now. It seems that the other side seems to be construing the claims to require more primers or more third amplicons than the claims actually state because they only require one third amplicon and four primers. Whereas if we look at Gardner's method, it's 53 primers and, and 36 well, amplicons. I asked ask these questions because what's, what's important to me here with respect to this discussion we're having is uh, the board's obviousness determination is supported by substantial evidence. And if there's no discussion as to that by the board, then I, I begin to have a, a, a hard time uh, agreeing with you. Well, so I think, that, Your Honor, I think that the, the board did have a discussion on that at Appendix 23, uh, where it discusses, this is where it discusses the six of the 36. Um, this is page 23, right? The, uh, page 23, where it says that, 
this is where that that the board basically says that even under this restrictive reading of Lao, uh, 30 of the 36 exceed the 100 uh, nucleotides, but six don't. And so the board made this finding. When you say 100 nucleotides, you're referring to size. Size, 100 nucleotides. And, and I think that that's the, the argument that uh, IDT is making is that 100 nucleotides is a cutoff in Lao, which that's not supported by any evidence because, again, if you look at Appendix 966 at paragraph 71, it says, remember the, the 101 said in some embodiments, now in Appendix 96, it says uh, at paragraph 71, in some embodiments, an insert that is short enough to reduce the likelihood that amplification will occur is between 1 and 200 nucleotides in length. So in this different embodiment, it's talking about a different size, uh, 200 nucleotides. I think the point, though, is, Your Honor, just to take a step back, this whole argument that they're making based upon amplicon size depends upon taking only narrow embodiments from the prior art references and putting them together. Whereas an obviousness analysis, and the, the one that we put forward and the board addressed, requires you to look at the teachings. And the teachings of Gardner are that you would have these multiplex reactions that would have a third amplicon, and that you would then have a method that could reduce the third amplicon, which is Lao. That doesn't mean that you need to stitch the two together from their specific examples, because there are many examples that you could come up using Gardner's method that would meet even this 100 base pair requirement. So For example, if it sounds now you're into reasonable expectation of success. Well, I mean, that's how well, they... Just fine. I want you to fully address that. Certainly. I mean, I think that the, the two issues are, are very tethered together here, just the way that it was presented to the board, and then the board then addressed it. I mean, they addressed, you know, this issue as reasonable expectation of success precisely because of the way that uh, IDT framed it by just cross-referencing reasonable expectation of success. But, but on that, again, we're still in the situation where even if you look at the more narrow examples, you would have six of the 36 uh, overlapping amplicons that still would be less efficiently amplified. But again, I think that that's, that's the wrong analysis, and I think that at Appendix 22, the board was, was recognizing more the teachings of Lao, which taught that there was short amplicons that would be removed. I, I would just like to also note, um, at Gardner, you know, Gardner when it discusses this, uh, when the other side says there's just like 100, you know, amplicon cutoff for, 100 nucleotide cutoff for, for Gardner, it, you know, they mentioned that it's 40 to 80, and that's at appendix uh, uh, 1002 in the right-hand column. It says that um, amplicons are allowed from anywhere in each region. Small overlaps, e.g. 40 to 80, do not leave much room to find good priming regions. And then it goes down and says, and consequently it may not be possible to find primers for all targets. When this happens, increasing the overlap and relaxing the primer specifications may be necessary. And so even Gardner itself is saying, 40 to 80 may not work, but you can still try it. And if it doesn't work, then you expand it. So there is no 100 amplicon cutoff in Gardner either. The only reason we get to the 100 amplicons is because we get to this 
specific example with respect to this one gene that uh, Gardner put forward as, as an example. But that's that's not what Gardner is about. Gardner is about a model and how you would address these overlapping amplicons. What did the board say about reasonable expectation of success? I mean, the, the board found that once you once there once you get to the point that there are not, you don't have to remove all the short amplicons because the claims don't require the removal of all short amplicons. Then there is reasonable expectation of success um, because Lau teaches that you that these short amplicons, the third amplicon, will self-hybridize and take itself out of the reaction. And then it looked at the example even um, of, of Gardner, and this is where it said it takes a, a restrictive reading of Lau and takes the Gardner example and says, you still remove six of the 36. And so you still would be removing some of the short amplicons. So you're which, again pointing to appendix page 23 for that. Is uh, that uh, yes, yes, Your yeah. Honor. That's how this issue was completely framed to the board. So I don't think the board... You know, can be faulted for basically addressing this issue as reasonable expectation of success. And in, in this court's precedent, like the intelligent biosystems case, of course, you know, any findings that are made for reasonable expectation of success can still, you know, count for motivation and vice versa. Do you uh, believe that opposing counsel is making a claim construction argument? It sounded like they might have backed away from that in their um, argument today, but I want to know your take on that. I, I think that they may have a new claim construction argument <laughs> today that came up. I think the, the claim construction argument now, now today may be that the third amplicon doesn't mean the third amplicon from the first primer, the second primer, the first fourth, you know, second reverse, but it means that actually our method requires all these primers and all these different third amplicons. And so I think that that may be the claim construction argument that they're making, that our method requires not three amplicons, but 36 amplicons. But there's nothing in the claim language that would support that at all. And I see my time has expired. We would ask the court to affirm. Thank you, Senator. Okay, we're, we're going to restore you back to three minutes. Okay, thank you. Um, a couple of things that I want to take up. One thing I want to point out is um, Mr. Matsui had mentioned uh, a 28J letter. We filed a response to that letter this week, um, and we think that response is important, uh, and we hope the court reads it before coming to a conclusion in this case. And it also addresses this issue of the 200 base pair citation from Lau, because they raised that in a footnote in their letter, and we couldn't find it anywhere in their briefing. Now, this was raised below, and it was vigorously um, attacked by our expert, and raising it now without the benefit of briefing leaves out all of that context as to why the 200 number is the wrong one to look at. So please don't accept that without without looking deeper. Um, one thing that, that I think is getting confused here is I stood up and started talking about motivation to combine. We don't make, we our claim construction issue is on the reasonable expectation of success error. But you're not making a claim construction issue. I mean, you, you, you are, but you didn't know. And you can't make a claim construction issue, you know, before us. Well, Your Honor, I, I, one point I want to make is that our motivation 
to combine argument does not depend on any claim construction. We say the motivation fails because the board includes in its motivation must run in a single reaction. And a person of ordinary skill in the art would not run. I mean, let's find, call it an example. That example in Gardner. A person of ordinary skill in the art would not run that in a single reaction unless they could stop all 36 overlap amplicons from dominating the reaction. Otherwise, Gardner wouldn't get Gardner's targets. He just wouldn't get them. And a person of ordinary skill would understand that and wouldn't make that combination. That's not a claim construction argument. That's that's an evidence argument. On claim construction... I guess you're, what you're pointing out is that Gardner deals with the standard PCR and now deals with the multiplex PCR? Well, multiplex just means more than one in a given reaction. So Gardner takes all of his and divides them into two so that there are no overlaps. Both of those are multiplex, but they're not a single reaction containing all of them. In the board's motivation expressly, the board says the motivation is to run Gardner in one reaction. And you can't run Gardner in one reaction unless you address all 36 overlaps. And Lau doesn't do that. And a person of ordinary skill in the art paying attention would know that. That's what we think the failure of evidence is. And that's not a claim construction issue. Anything else? My time is up. Okay. We thank the parties for their arguments and we'll take this case in the hall. All rise. The honorable court is adjourned until tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock a.m.